Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Well, hello again. It's Thursday night, which means it's time for another edition of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you to all of you who have been tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe. If you have not done so already and hit the little bell notification. If you've noticed, we've been pumping out more content because we're breaking our episodes down to smaller segments. I want everybody to digest it at their own pace. Speaking of, stay up to date with the show when you're on the go by downloading us on your favorite podcast app. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We got a big one in store for you guys here today. Now, I know... I know we're only one episode away from being done with the team profile series. That's going to get put on pause because some teams have actually reported for training camp already. And I want to make sure we get you guys up to speed with what you need to know at the kickoff of training camp, which is why when we introduce our guests, you'll understand what today's episode is all about. But for now, our co-host, Danielle Dubois, joining the show. Danielle, how are you? It's been a couple of weeks. It has been. I'm so sorry, guys. Things have been a little bit crazy over here in Atlanta as training camp has officially started for the rookies. So, you know, we're kind of running around crazy, but I'm excited to be here. It's okay. I just need all inside scoops for Bijan Robinson and Drake London and Kyle Pitts and whether or not Desmond Ritter is going to hold on to his job because I still think Taylor Heineke might wind up starting at some point this year. We'll see. Okay. We'll make sure you keep us up to date there, Danielle. Let's get our guest introduced, shall we? It's time for the moment you've all been waiting for. He's on the top right corner of your screen. The number one medical expert of all fantasy sports, Mr. Brian Scott. I can get used to that. Do you like that? I do. Awesome. (laughs) I mean, Brian's been on the show for forever because he's with us during the season and donating his time and his expertise, which is pretty much invaluable to what we need here for fantasy football sports. And we have a lot of interesting headlines heading into training camp. So, Brian, thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. It's always a pleasure, Dan. What have you been up to anyway on the Injured List podcast? Make sure you guys go check that out. Well, there's been a lot going on, actually. I haven't been putting out as many episodes, but I did do a few during the offseason here from football, which is my busy time of year, as you guys know. Um, in preparation for the upcoming season, I tried to get out a lot of things, do some upgrades to the show. So check out my newest episodes. I've got a few that I dropped over the summer here. Um, 
You don't want to miss those. Some really interesting stories with some really interesting guests. And um, just been fine-tuning things, uh, getting ready for this NFL season. And uh, we were talking earlier, I'll be at the Fantasy Football Expo in Canton, Ohio in August. So if anyone listening is ten- attending, I'll be doing the medical panel um, on Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning, I believe. So you can get some more scoop information there. Uh, Brian, I'm just going to let you know right now, I'm going to need some medical attention <laughs> on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. With yeah. the amount of people, Danielle knows, every guest we've had on here is going to the expo so far, and I have uh, a drinking date with every single one of them, and it's it's going to be a lot. So I might need you to help bring me back to life at some point. <laughs> well, you, you and the guys participating in the flag football uh, contest, I told them, though, I'm not bringing my medical kit, so I will not be taking care of any injured uh, colleagues. All I'm saying is that I am not responsible for covering Des Bryant when he's out there. If he's really going to lace up, I, I'm not. Nope, I'm not going anywhere near him. He can have yeah, it. I don't, blame not, I don't. I don't need that Moss card on my. Yeah, no, you don't want that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he will be there. By the way, if you guys are be able to get out to the expo, it's always going to be a great time. Let's get into today's show, shall we? Let's hit it Let's. with some breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah, there's we, didn't get, we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week, so I want to bring it up now. DeAndre Hopkins, he's on his way to Tennessee. <laughs> there goes my Traylon Burke shares my Dynasty League. Thank you very, <laughs> very much. Because here's a problem with Hopkins. He's going to get 25 to 27% of the team target share, and that leaves, if we're lucky, 18 to 20 for Traylon Burks on a team that's run first. On top of that, the last time we've seen this team be able to have two fantasy-relevant wide receivers was A.J. Brown Corey Davis during A.J. Brown's rookie season. And while it was nice, Corey Davis, who would likely be the Traylon Burks of this scenario, uh, was still just a wide receiver three at the end of the day. So I'm not overly excited. Danielle, what was your reaction to the news? Was it more a beat where you're just happy to see DeAndre Hopkins on a team where you like me, where you get the Burks thing, and it's like, ugh. It's awesome that he's finally on a team because it has been really talked about. And as a Patriots fan, I wasn't really appreciating the whole long drawn out thing. I didn't really think we were going to get him, but people were trying to convince me. So wasn't a fan of that Um, from the fantasy aspect. I just, okay. It's not anything too huge in my eyes. I'm not looking to pick him up anytime soon, really. And if you feel otherwise, then great. I'm happy for you, but I'm just kind of very mediocre on this news. I'm like, good for him, but eh, not great for me. I I did not update my rankings on BillyFantasySports.com just yet, but I did update on my wide receiver side. I can let you guys know that DeAndre Hopkins continues to be my wide receiver 18 Burks actually only brought him down one spot. Now he's behind Marquise Brown. I still have him one spot ahead of Gabe Davis. That does make him my wide receiver 35 heading into the season. So still fantasy relevant in both ends. I do have a little more confidence than most in Ryan Tannehill. And that's going to pretty much be the key as far as that goes. But the other news, and this is where I got to bring in Brian, because I'm a little concerned, let's say. Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs. Now, we can get into probably an entire episode if we wanted to about the running backs and and not being paid and all of that fiasco going on. I tweeted out the other day, you know, what would happen if they just went on strike as a positional group? I don't think they can actually do that, but it almost feels like they need to at this point to address that situation. But when I look at Barkley, I look at Jacobs, two guys who have dealt with nagging injuries, in Barkley's case, missed quite a few games in the past because of injury. Last year, both these guys managed to stay healthy the entire season. A big part of that was because they knew they had a make-or-break contract year, and they were at tippy-top shape. 
Now this year, it's the opposite direction where they're in contract disputes. And when you're not on the football field, you're not in football shape. Now it's early. It's July 20th. We're not quite in the training camp just yet. And with running backs, as long as they get a couple weeks in before the season begins, I'm okay with it. But Brian, from your standpoint, with these guys in particular, if they're going to be missing time in training camp, how concerned are you about them being able to stay healthy? Well, I can speak to Barkley's situation probably much better than I can to Jacobs. And that's being because I'm from New York originally. I'm a huge Giant fan. And um, I was uh, ecstatic to see the production that Barkley came with uh, last season because that was the first productive season he's had since his rookie year in 2018. And his stats didn't even still measure up to his rookie season. So, you know, he had a period of about three years there where he – one season had the ACL tear, only played three weeks. Uh, another season dealt with a high ankle sprain on and off, uh, only played like barely half the games, if, if not even. So I think from a business standpoint, the Giants especially, they had to franchise tag them. They're, they're just, they had to. And um, I'm not really buying this whole, um, you know, crying for help from the running back position in the NFL when it comes to the fantasy tag and the salaries and stuff. Listen, you'll see if, Stick around and listen to our list. I mean, these running backs have been banged up and not just small injuries. I mean, these guys are missing significant amounts of time. And in a pass-first league, um, too bad. (laughs) Uh, But conditioning-wise, I don't think it's going to really affect them too much, you know, especially in Barkley's case. I mean, the guy's an animal off the field. You know, he's an animal in the gym. Um, It'll be pretty easy for them to step back on the field and get going. They're not going to play much anyway in the preseason, these guys, because they're not going to want to risk injury heading into the regular season. So I don't see it as a huge deal, at least right now. We'll kind of have to see how things kind of play out, though, as we head deeper into the uh, preseason. Sure. I mean, is, is there a potential that these guys could have to hold out into the regular season if that winds up being the case? I, I guess it's a possibility from the stances that they have as of now but those things tend to soften as we get into august we'll have to see and brian i mean you're not wrong it's it's tough it, it on one hand you have a playmaker in your backfield that is your best offensive player without a doubt on the other hand when you give these running backs this contract after they've been franchise tagged it tends not to work out or at least not for much longer after that so it's it's a hard scenario to navigate there but that would be my question for them all right, well, let's get into the quarterbacks. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, that you hurts. Mi- you miss that? You miss that drop, Brian? <laughs> I do. Ah, <laughs> uh, so where do we start? Kyler Murray? Shall we start uh, with Kyler Murray? Yeah, Danielle, is that is that our list? Kyler Murray, number yes, one. Yes, sir. All right, yeah. let's 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 hit it with Kyler Murray in the ACL. So ACL reconstruction in December. So, you know, um, typical recovery anywhere between nine to 12 months before they kind of get back into full competition. Now, he had a meniscus injury on top of it. And this is one of the things I always say when it comes to these ACL injuries and these knee injuries is what other structures were damaged at the time of the injury. And in the case of the meniscus, that can sometimes prolong the rehab, kind of slow it down a little bit initially, depending on what they had to do and how significant it was. And it sounds like um, he's going to be a while before he's going to be ready to play. The head coach, is it Jonathan Gannon or something? Is that the new head coach out there? Oh, yeah. Um, was Here. quoted Here as go. saying uh, he's still got a long way to go. So um, I'm guessing he's going to start. I'm That's guessing Jonathan he's, Gannon, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing he's going to start on the um, unable to perform list, the physically unable to perform list probably uh, on the active roster or active um, side 
which would give him a chance to kind of uh, be activated during preseason. I still don't think we're going to see him do much um, in any preseason action. Uh, you know, I think he's probably going to end up starting on either IR or the pup list, um, which means that he'll have to miss the first four weeks of the season. I would not be surprised if that's the case. Yeah, not not, not going to be around for week one, right, Danielle? <laughs> Think he's gonna be around for week one. There's a little like, oh yeah, that's, that's the goal, right? That's always the goal, but most likely not. There's also a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow too, Kyler. If you can get there fast enough, you used to be a leprechaun anyway. <laughs> now, as I discuss things here, I'm going to be referring to IR. I'm going to be referring to the pup list. If you're not familiar with those terms, then I highly recommend you listen to one of my previous episodes I did last year, where I go into a lot of detail about this. I also did an article with uh, Andrew Leduck. Um, on the Belly Up website last year that talked about these different um, designations and what that actually means heading into the season. So it's really important this time of year, especially because it could be the difference between missing four weeks um, and or starting week one or potentially being available week one. So it's a huge deal right now. It's a huge deal because Sleeper had to quickly walk back of breaking news that they had on Pacheco, who we'll get to in a little bit, but threw everybody off there for like a 24-hour period. Like, oh, we thought Pacheco was going to be out for six weeks at the start of the season. Uh, Danielle, who's our next quarterback? We got Brock Purdy and his elbow. Oh, this is one of my favorite topics. Okay, Brian, <laughs> take it away. Yeah, so th- this is a, a, a very complex topic to discuss, actually, because, and I'm going to try and, you know, dumb it down for all of us. But um, Brock Purdy dealt with a, a an acute traumatic ulnar collateral ligament injury that he suffered during the um, NFC Championship game. And as a result, uh, he ended up needing uh, surgery in the offseason. And unlike baseball players, where their injury is more toward the chronic side of things, they kind of chronically injure that ligament through repetitive type of throws, he had one specific moment where he injured it. In that case the worst case scenario is that he completely ruptured that ligament and had to have it reconstructed similar to Tommy John surgery. But in Brock Purdy's case, he did not. He basically partially tore it, which allowed him to have basically a hybrid repair surgical procedure. Um, and that basically worked to his advantage big time because that really uh, shortened his recovery time significantly. And because he's not a baseball pitcher and he's a football quarterback, the the stress on the elbow, the throwing motion is so intricate and so slightly different when you compare those two sports that I think he's actually got a great chance to be ready week one, um, September 10th, I think against Pittsburgh. Uh, we should, he should be throwing right now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the, the biggest thing that he's going to have to kind of bounce back from the heart and it's going to be the most difficult is going to be that high velocity down the field throw. And once he can do that, which shouldn't be too much longer here, um, I think from there he'll pick up and momentum and, and recover just fine. His procedure was a was a repair, but it was done using an internal brace device, which is a device that we use in certain procedures to basically bolster the repair. And that allows the rehab to actually progress much quicker. So the original time frame, I think they were saying, was like five to seven months. Um, typically with the Tommy John, it could be anywhere from nine to 12. So it it worked to his advantage big time. I've been waiting for you, Brian, because if you remember back in March when we had you on to kind of kick things off, you were talking about, well, you weren't sure if it was going to be a week one at that point. I've been waiting for you to come back on the show and tell me from your mouth that Brock Purdy could actually be available week one. Now I believe. Now I believe. (laughs) Yeah, it was all kind of hindering on what they had to do surgically. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Danielle, what's your excitement level on this? Or did you rather see Trey Lance? Uh, I would not rather see Trey Lance. I don't really want to see Trey Lance play at all. So go Brock Purdy. I he might be just a little bit overrated based off of everybody freaking out, being like, "Oh my God, he's the savior for the 49ers. I don't think let's go that far, but he's definitely a step up from Trey Lance. I mean, I think most people are. That's like you tell her she's my co-host. We're on the same page. I love it. Who's next? We got Jimmy G and his foot. Because let's continue talking about the 49ers quarterbacks and every single thing wrong with them. Well, we don't have to care about him as much anymore. Yeah, he's dealing with the Raiders yeah, now. But true. But <laughs> I feel like I feel like I spoke about him relentlessly last year because he was always yeah. on a topic for 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 me especially. Um, but the funny thing was, you know, we addressed his foot injury uh, last season. I'm sure we did amongst some of his other injuries that he's dealt with over the last few years, including his sh- surgically reconstructed shoulder, his ACL reconstructed knee. And then boom, he has a football, uh, I'm sorry, a foot injury. Um, I think it was actually sometime in December that he suffered the initial injury. And what, it, the reports were kind of wish wishy-washy when they first came out. They were like, oh, we think he had a Liz Frank, but now we don't. Uh, he's not going to need surgery. Um, I think we, you know, he'll be okay. And then boom, fast forward to March and the Raiders go to sign him and he had surgery. And some of the reports were that he had a broken medial and middle cuneiform bone and second metatarsal. And when I hear those words and those terms being thrown around, um, the Liz Frank lights start blaring and start warning me. And because that's essentially what a Liz Frank fracture type injury is and so what they had to do to fix it or repair it i don't know um but it must have been significant enough because the raiders put in a clause in their contract that if he can't pass a physical then they can potentially void that contract or there's some type of stipulations in there i'm not exactly sure the details but um what really depends on how quickly he's going to be back is going to be what they had to do surgically but you know that that historically speaking that type of injury and surgery is not good for an NFL career, um, especially at the quarterback position. If it's his plant foot, um, having to scramble back there, uh, and when those bones are involved, and if it was fractures that were involved, um, that could potentially be really significant for the long-term uh, health of his career. Well, Brian, I'm, I'm glad you know what those words mean, because when you said <laughs> that, I was pretty sure those words I never heard of in my entire life. So yeah. thank you for breaking that down. That's why we bring you on. That's the scary part. If Jimmy G can't go, you're looking at Brian Hoyer as a starting quarterback. I mean, Danielle, where are you at when it comes to Devontae Adams? We don't really care about Jimmy G or the quarterback situation of Raiders. We care about Devontae Adams. Where are you at when it, when it comes to drafting him right now? When it comes to drafting Devontae Adams, of course, I have a lot of hope for him because he's Devontae Adams after all. Um, of course, I would, I think, lean towards Waller right now and obviously Kelsey, but I would definitely consider him still as part of the top three. I think the, inter- the top three is interchangeable. I think Adams will kind of flip-flop. Maybe if Kyle Pitts is up to that level again, he might be kind of edging him up. But as of right now, I would say he's my third tight end overall. Devontae Adams is a tight end. Wow, you downgraded him completely. <laughs> I oh my god I just had a complete blurring part oh my god I'm so sorry guys I am oh, like in the wrong headspace today like a five second delay I was like wait here, here. Oh, there it is. there's the light bulb there it went off this is what happens when you sit out in Atlanta heat all day and then you're at a Braves game talking baseball all day my brain can't flip but overall though 
Adams as a wide receiver Fair still enough. would draft him higher <laughs> up, not top three, obviously for wide receivers, but he's definitely top 10. I don't think I'm looking towards him over like Tyreek Hill, but he's definitely in my top 10. It's preseason form. Don't worry about it, Danielle. Yeah. <laughs> I, when I started off this season, I this offseason anyway, I had I had a big six at the wide receiver position. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill. And then I had Devontae Adams right there. Because at that point in time, as Brian kind of pointed out, we didn't realize Jimmy G was going to be in this much danger when it comes to the beginning of the season. At that point, we're thinking he's going to be a starting quarterback. And I know Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough to get at least one man the ball pretty consistently. Now I've had to kind of drop down on Devontae Adams, fade him out a little bit. I still have him in my top 10, but he's at my 10 exact spot. I moved him down behind Garrett Wilson, C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Kind of put him right in between St. Brown and Jalen Waddle right now because we don't know exactly what the quarterback situation is going to be. Add on top of it, his comments about not being too enthusiastic about this offense now with Derek Carr having moved on to the New Orleans Saints – and now all of a sudden, I'm just I'm just getting a bad feeling every way I look on Devontae Adams. He's too good to drop out of the top 12. But right now, man, it's getting hairy when you're looking at Devontae Adams as the number one wide receiver with all the things that could potentially set up to go wrong here. Uh, what do we got? Oh, we got running backs next. 